So welcome to Rebuilding Business, a series of interviews with outstanding entrepreneurs and experienced leaders who have reputations as trailblazers in their field. The intention is to share their experience with you over five bite-sized interviews this week. So at the moment, we're on day three of our week with corporate trailblazer Kevin Gaskill. Kevin is renowned for leading iconic brands Porsche, Lamborghini and BMW to record results and has founded and created international businesses in most sectors, delivering exceptional performance in companies that have got between 7 and 7,000 staff, creating over £3 billion in shareholder value. Today, Kevin, uh, we've agreed to talk about communication and engagement. Welcome. Great to see you. Great to be here. So yesterday we were talking about the importance of vision, weren't we? And purpose. How do we create a vision that people feel that they're invested into? Something that is strategically measurable for you as a business, but truly emotionally compelling. It doesn't have to be complicated, does it, really, to get people to be aligned, or does it? No, no. I mean, it, the truth is it must not be complicated. Um, yesterday I spoke about clarity of vision, a vision of success. What does it look like? And, and, you know, make it concrete, make it simple. And the classical example everybody throws around was the JFK statement um, in 1961. You know, by the end of this decade, we're going to put a man on the moon and bring him safely back to Earth. OK, I get it. Well, we try to say the same in our businesses. We are going to achieve this. And, and we make it very practical. We, we describe it in 360 degrees. You know, it will look like this. It will sound like that and it will make our customers feel this and we describe it. Mm -hmm. The trick then is to translate that into a plan. And I, you know, you, you talked about um, my book in, in the first um, session. I break it down to three pieces, commit, connect, create. The commit piece is commit to that vision. The connect piece is what we're speaking about now. Everybody needs to be able to connect to that plan and so we make it very simple. I think one of the crucial things of that connection to that plan is I, 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 go, I go into many businesses and I say have you got a growth plan they say yes and I say okay so so what is it and I want them to talk to me about it and they go and get some sort of tome of 350 pages and say that's our growth plan so I'll say when was the last time you read it um, well, well, when I wrote it, when did you write it? Well, two years ago. Okay, so it, it's not live, is it? And no. I think and this is what I love about the 100-day plan that you have that really gets people up and running and how that connects into your to, to the bigger vision. Just share how that works. Yeah, I mean, that, that file's great. We call that the death file because so many companies have one. Here's the death file. <laughs> yeah, well, let's park that. And so we build what we call a 100-day plan which, which is relevant if, if your business is in difficulty or you need to do something very quickly. 100 days. You can achieve a lot in 100 days with, with clarity of vision. But then the bigger picture we call a 1,000-day plan. And, and we call it a 1,000 days because I don't want to call it three. Most people have a three-year plan. You know, well, three years, you know, it's, it's a long time, whereas a 1,000 days is a 1,000 days. And each day is a day. And so we make it very practical. We share the plan. The plan is on one piece of paper. Now, we spend a lot of time building that plan. We talk with all the teams. We discuss what we can do, where the priorities are. We prioritize really aggressively. And we probably target 25% of the changes that people think we could do. 
but then we deliver those 25%. And those 25% become the thousand day plan. We're going to achieve these things within a thousand days. But people can see where they contribute because this plan is on the wall. It's not complicated. It's a pyramid of actions. And they know, well, I, I, I work in this area here. And if I change that, then this will happen, that'll happen. And it gets to the, to the top. The top of the pile being the vision of success that we want to deliver to our customers. So we make it very simple. How do, how do you get that heart and that passion though from the from the and I'm going back to your BMW days or Fairline days the guy literally who's putting in the windscreens in, in the, the the Range Rovers or the BMWs you know through to the middle manager through to the senior manager how do you get that passion and commitment that every level feels just as passionate about what you want to do well, the, the, it is about communication. So, so take the Fairline example. There was deep suspicion in Fairline, which had gone through 10 years of losses. There was deep suspicion about whether we could get this business back into profitability. And when I spoke to the team and I said to them, what do you actually want to achieve? They didn't say, we want to make 10 million pounds profit. They said, we want to build the best luxury motor yachts in the market. And I said, fantastic. Then how do we do that? And that was the plan we built. Now, behind that, of course, we've got the, the financial director's got his finance plan and we, we, we're doing all of that stuff. But that's not what engages people. People want to come on a journey. They want to create something that is extraordinary, that is special. And so what we did was invite the team to tell us how we could build the best motor yachts in the world. And they knew where the challenges were. They knew that the new wood factory that we built wasn't appropriate. And we just spent, we, the company just spent 15 million pounds on this thing and it wasn't working. So we had to do something about it. And when you show people that you are listening and that you will change that, then they will give you more ideas and more ideas. And people are incredible. If you give people the opportunity to contribute, they will contribute. I so, think it was about five or six years ago when we talked um, and you said, you said to me, I was quite shocked. You said, I don't, I don't really work. And I said, well, what do you mean by it? I don't really work? He said, well, I get up and have fun with people who also want to have fun. And we've got yeah. this shared vision. Now, yeah. I know that there'll be lots of people listening today going, yeah, I've, I've got a percentage of guys and, and girls that are like that. But I've also got some mood hoovers. I've also got some people that come in and they drain the energy from the room. How do you get that kind of commitment with those those people those people that don't necessarily they want to come in they want to do a job as minimum as possible and then get the heck out at the end of the day how do you change them no such thing as a bad soldier just a bad officer that's you know that's that's a saying that gets bandied around the people the mood hoovers or the people who really don't want to be there that's not 20 percent of your business or 30 percent. if it is there's a really fundamental problem it might be one or two percent and the truth is don't waste your time with people who waste your time if those people don't want to come on the journey help them to go somewhere else and do something else the vast majority of people do want to contribute they just don't know how mm -hmm. and so we use the planning and we use communication we talk openly i mean look in in the fairline business i had a union um who really were used to fighting the management and, and, and I had an incredible conversation with the union leader and I said, well, why don't you come to head office and, and you know, we'll talk, come, come over to the office, we'll talk about it. And he said, I've never been to head office. I said, you've never been? No, never been. It was 75 yards away. Never been to head office. So 
what we did was convert the boardroom into a meeting room for the union. And we invited them to come and hold their meetings there. And I said, if you come and hold your meetings there, you know, we'll provide tea and, and biscuits and sandwiches and we'll make it very comfortable, anything you need. But what we will also do is we'll put the plan on the wall. And then as they were holding their meeting, I would ask them to invite me in as the CEO to share the plan with them. And, and what happened, you know, by magic was they started to ask questions. They're all bright people. They all want to see the business survive. They start to ask questions about the plan. And the distrust and mistrust, which had been there previously, went away because they could see that we were all aiming for the same objectives. I don't know how to build boats. They do. Mm-hmm. I engage them by inviting them to show me what was possible. And you know, we turn the business. And that's that foundation stone of trust, isn't it? That almost vulnerability that, you know, like you said, I don't, I don't know how to do your job. I don't know how to build boats, but I do know how to organize a team, how to rally a team behind a collective vision that can make money. Can I just come back to that financial piece? Because that's the critical piece that we're going to have going forward, isn't it, Kevin? In the next year or so with COVID in recessive times, is, is how do you go about funding that kind of change? You said that you had, um, you had a, a massive uh, manufacturing plant that didn't work. How do you back, go about funding that kind of significant change, that getting that amount of investment when you know something isn't working well? Yeah. You know, the, the, I have a belief that there is only one version of the truth. There's only one version. The truth is the truth. That's it. And so my job as a CEO in dealing with the board and in dealing with investors is to make sure everybody understands what the truth is. And the truth is, if you want me to take this business from here to here, it's going to need this much investment or sometimes not a lot of investment. Sometimes we do it without investment. We change things. We change processes without spending a lot of money. But the, the black and white, you know, the change from black to white is, is when everybody works to the same truth and we can be completely honest and we can make a decision to do that will cost X. Can we afford it? Do we have the funds? Yes or no. If it's no, find a different way. But it really, it comes down to communication, being absolutely ruthless with the truth. There's only one version of the truth. Mm. Absolutely critical. I think something that I was also interested in, in terms of the quality of the people that you have, I was reading in the book, you you say in the philosophy, every single person um, in the team matters. And you hunt three up, three down people who can communicate at all levels. Yeah. Now, that i mean it sounds fantastic in principle but it's a little bit like rocking horse poo sometimes it's really hard to find how do you go about finding those people that can make connections three tiers up and three tiers down how do you manage it well it's it's about encouraging people to try it it's it is really is about a leadership team it starts with a leadership team you know leadership team have to be humble enough to be able to listen to, I'll give you an example. Again, in Fairline, there was a guy who had an idea for changing the way that we plumbed the boats for water. I mean, a, a, look, a 75 foot boat is a five bedroom house built in a plastic shell. That's what it is, and it floats on the water. And you need water, fresh water, to the bathrooms and the toilets and, and the kitchen and, 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 and. And this young guy in his early 20s had this idea for how we could transform the way that we delivered this water, the plumbing. And nobody would listen to him. So he came to see me and he said, would you listen to me? I said, sure, I'll listen to you. And so we sat and we talked 
And I thought, it's a great idea. And then I, I actually had a new production director who joined the business very recently. I said, go to Joe, because Joe will listen to you. And Joe listened. And we, we took on board this lad's ideas and we transformed our, our production process. And then people start to hear the story. Hey, he went and taught and they listened and look. And, and do you know what we did as a reward? Because we didn't have a lot of money. And what we did as a reward for this guy is we, we said to him, how can we say thank you? He said, I've always wanted to study this course at night school. Fine, we'll pay for that. No problem. Uh, rather than just give you cash, we'll pay for your night school course. And these stories spread through the business. And this is how you change the mindset. You have to listen to the people, listen to the team, trust them. And that understanding of what makes them tick, I, like, I love that story. Often I'll go into businesses and they'll say, I, I can't understand it. He's had a pay rise, he's got a better car, we do pensions. You think, actually, yeah, but how, how do you make him feel significant? How do yeah. you actually make him feel that he is vested into, you know, he, he has a vested interest in, 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 the, in the business and you have tr truly invested in him and what he needs. Has he asked for a pay rise? And often they'll say, well, well no, but actually we thought that that would stop other people from poaching him. But it's about winning hearts as well as minds to use a, a rather well, trite saying. Well, the classic, the, so all we did there in Fairline was we could see the pride. And so we said, why don't we have an open day? Why don't you invite in all your families and your friends and they can come in and they can see what we're building and how we build it and what you do. They can see what you do, the part that you play in creating these magnificent boats. And I tell you, we were just sold out. I mean, the place was rammed with families and friends and the guys were so proud. And again, it shifted the culture. It shifted yeah, the culture. And, and I also remember talking to some of the guys at BMW when I was delivering with DDA on the management programs. And they would say, you know, Kevin writes a personal Christmas card to every single member of staff every year. But actually, it, it, it doesn't just say, it doesn't, doesn't just buy, get buy-in from them. Often if they were annoyed or fed up or had a really tough week, the, the wives or the husbands would go, well, you can't leave. Look at how much he cares about you. So, so clever. Okay. You know, but it wasn't cynical. It was, but it was a, it was a task. We started writing these cards in September, hundreds of them. And, and also trying to be personal, trying to put a personal message in each one. And, and, but it, it, it's what I said about leadership being humble. Leadership is humble. It's not about superiority. It's about humility. And that's what communication looks like, isn't it? Communication is not necessarily about broadcasting it's about listening and it's about knowing and understanding what you're working with brilliant thank you so much for today um tomorrow we're going to be talking about agility so i look forward to seeing you in the morning and i hope you have a fantastic evening thank you thanks very much. kevin